trans nerds. We're doing Halloween in July because it's paranormal time. Yeah. <laughs> paranormal had a shocking rise in the 2000s, only to fall a decade later. But what is it about vampires, werewolves, and spooky beings that we're so obsessed with? Oh. Jackie and I are about to figure it out. Hey there, romance nerds! Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance. The genre, the tropes, anything and everything. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! like to be kissed by a vampire probably sucks it's a pain in the neck ah! <laughs> <laughs> mine worked too though mine yeah it worked. does it, it did, did. It did. i won't worked. tell you how long it took me to find the, that joke <laughs> see it's not easy coming up with the bad jokes well if it's not related to a specific topic that i have lame. a plethora <laughs> otherwise not well, so congratulations, Jackie, for once on doing a good, bad joke. Thank you. And welcome to the rest of you guys to another episode of Raging Romantics. Yeehaw! We are really thrilled. You want to spend some more time with us in our nonsense? Yeah. Last month, we covered Jackie's childhood favorite. Eh, no, no, no. Not quite childhood. That sounds like pedophile. No, no not so just much. Like, I don't know, because like baby Jackie. Uh, that sounds worse. Like little <laughs> I was Jackie. a teenager. Okay, but like... I don't know. It's like the thing you're most nostalgic over. Yes, nostalgic. Your nostalgic genre. Yes, my comfort read genre. Fair enough. So now it's my turn with the first romance genre I ever read when I could probably say I was a child in sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why it's in my head. What, sixth grade? So like you were 13? Probably Mm, probably 12, 12, yeah. Something like that. I was too young, honestly. A little younger than me. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. But I started with paranormal paranormal romance. Say that 10 times fast. Paranormal romance. I'll get it. I'll get it. I didn't grow up on a ghost farm or hang out with werewolves the way Jackie hung out with horses. Unfortunately. Okay. I just had a mother who had a lot of vampire books on her bookshelves, and that's kind of what I accidentally grabbed that first day. You know, I regret not looking up the psychology behind why we like paranormal things. I mean, we talked about it in our vampire yeah. episode, so go back and listen to that if you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I know the audio quality is terrible with that. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, but the information's still good. <laughs> yes, it is And still the jokes good. are sharp. Yeah. Like They got some bite. Teeth. Like in Twilight, <laughs> which Not was like the Twilight. first vampire book probably that I actually read. <laughs> Besides Dracula, of course. Duh. But it was the 2000s. Paranormal was insanely popular. Mm. So it was dumb luck, at least for me, that I picked up one of those before I ever grabbed Nora Roberts. Mm. I know it wasn't for you with your horses. <laughs> we did not have horses in the woods. We had salamanders and ferns. 
So bobcats and bob. Well, yeah, actually, I did find a dead bobcat once. Oh, I've never seen one alive. We have that's one that's living event. outside the farm, and it is terrifying in the middle of the night when it screams. Terrifying. Ah! Like, like even it sounds. It's, <laughs> it's terrifying. Like it sounds like somebody getting murdered outside my window. No, it's funny. There are bobcat shifter romances. Have you ever been able to read one? I've never read one. Oh. I read a lot of shifters, but mm-hmm. I've seen them. Yeah. But paranormal in general has been my favorite. I will mm-hmm. say not the bobcat so much. Not those <laughs> shifters. But I've loved it forever. I will say I've stopped reading it as much. I think the popularity died down a little bit, um, especially in mainstream publishing. Mm. And I think I got distracted with other things. Yeah. But I am really excited to revisit it today and talk about it with you today, Jackie, too. This is going to be a thrill. Yeah. I mean, I like – I can't talk today. I like uh, paranormal. You know, what I read, I tend to like what I read. Um, I do tend to read a lot more on Kindle Unlimited these days, so a lot, like you said, outside of mainstream publishing. I think that post – and we've talked about this in a bunch of other episodes. Like, post-2008, 2009, we saw a shift. <laughs> Everybody's cringing inside. Sorry, guys. Um, we saw a shift away from mainstream publishers – focusing on paranormal and they kind of i don't know what they went to because twilight got so big mm-hmm. that they went to other well the 50 things. shades i think was 50 shades came out point. that's right because yeah. after 50 shades i mean it, it went all to becomes, contemporaries it, and it was contemporary and it was like different versions of erotica yeah. like we started seeing erotica in target oh yeah definitely. you know so the, the vampires i think took a back seat but werewolves, vampires, we'll always see those, I think. Those are kind of the two most popular ones. We aren't going to talk about either of those today. Not really. We talked about vampires in the past, and mm-hmm. we're actually, spoiler alert, going to talk about werewolves in October yep. for real Halloween. Yeah. Because, obviously, we need to. But shifters, paranormal, witches, we'll talk about what is technically under the umbrella of paranormal it's here a big in, umbrella. in a little bit. It is a giant it's umbrella. It's a massive umbrella. It's it is bigger a than circus like, tent. <laughs> it's a similar size to dark romance, I think, yes, for the yeah. amount of stuff that can fit under it. Yeah. Um, I will say even I had to really Google what the definition of yeah. what paranormal is, especially when compared to fantasy, mm-hmm. because sometimes there's a lot of crossover between the two. Be. Yeah. And between like other things. Like you said, like we said, paranormal is kind of just the umbrella under which a lot of falls yeah that's one of the things i've always loved about paranormal it's that this it's a very broad genre that incorporates so many fun elements Mm -hmm. the broadest least specific definition i can give you is that it's a romance subgenre that encompasses fantasy sci-fi suspense and horror together Mm -hmm. it's how you can get greek vampire werewolf hunters or dragon alien shifters under one really big romance umbrella Mm -hmm. A lot of genres and romance are pretty straightforward and uncomplicated, but this is the genre where you get to play with a ton of fantastical elements around the central love story. And you get to combine a lot. So like yeah. how you were saying with a dragon alien yeah. shifter, <laughs> Dixon, <clears throat> sorry, something in my throat, um, you can like take things, like just reach into a hat, pick out like five different things and be like okay this is our hero he's seven feet tall he's blue he's got a ribbed schlong and a spur and he purrs great paranormal um and then at the same time you can have a witch and a warlock that's paranormal you there's just so many things you can do with it and we'll talk about later how it kind of opens up a world of believability that other romances don't I was trying to come up with a list of all the things I've seen. Yeah, it's there's way so too many. long on the list. It's yeah, right. Vampires, werewolves, ghosts, shapeshifters, fairies, elves, demons, angels, witches. Uh, Love it. Interestingly, aliens used to be under paranormal, but now they're sci-fi. Exactly. I think the sci-fi romance is finally broad enough. Yeah. 
So not so much alien anymore. Really, the story is as big as the author's creativity, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I I just find so fascinating. To it's see how like fantasy in that there's so much world building you can do. But in regards to fantasy, sometimes I feel like Arthur, authors can get pigeonholed because a lot of times with fantasy, you have you have to rely so much on what's coming out of your own brain that you can yeah. get bogged down. Where are areas with um, paranormal, you can rely really heavily on mythologies and like past stories like uh, something like a wendigo or something like that and you can build off of that so you have a really strong foundation and it's nice too because the biggest difference between fantasy and paranormal paranormal is going to have some kind of earth foundation yeah so that's why lord of the rings is not ever going to be considered a paranormal no. it is totally 100 percent separate world also sorry if you can hear a plane going over <laughs> okay yeah so no so that's that is the biggest difference between fantasy and paranormal yeah paranormal is going to have some kind of an earth foundation to it yes it's always going to take place place on earth maybe it'll take place on another planet not really a planet but sometimes a different realm and i think you see that maybe in fairy stories yes that's true they're like they go into the ground and there's the fairy world so a great example of that one is karen marie monning with her fever series um and in that um the heroine travels to the seely s-e-e-l-i-e and unseely realms which is the fairy realm which if you're familiar with irish mythology it's like it's in fairy hills it's like a different dimension time space continuum blah, 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 all that sort of fun stuff but it's got all of these earth rules that still kind yeah. of exist around it you're not going to get that in lord of the no. rings there's going to be fantasy. recognizable landmarks exactly. places you know they're going to go out and eat a croissant for breakfast in new orleans or they're going to visit temple bar in dublin that sort of thing but it is funny that the biggest difference between fantasy and paranormal is the location yes that is crucial that is kind of the defining line as i'm reading it and as i've seen in all of my definitions was that's kind of where you you draw the line yeah the line is very broad and you can have paranormal <laughs> fantasy you can and it's really interesting because now there's so many subgenres of paranormal because i've yes. seen like urban fantasy yeah paranormal fantasy like you just said urban paranormal fantasy. i mean all so together. sarah j moss who's yeah. a huge fantasy author a lot of her like world building at least in her a court of thorns and rosa series is actually based on the uk and ireland but it's just it's called a different name but if right. you look on the map you go that's uk and ireland so if she had taken out the names that she created and called it ireland scotland all this sort of stuff it would have been paranormal not fantasy moss fans don't come for me i'm sorry (laughs) i love you (laughs) what are some of your favorite authors for paranormal i love i'm always gonna say christine fian even though she's disappointed me lately just because that again that was one of my first ones yeah it's like me and nora roberts yeah sherilyn i love her sherilyn kenyon like you said um karen marie moaning Mm -hmm. always is gonna be one of my go-tos oh yeah i grew up reading that yeah some of this is very nostalgic based yes and they're still publishing mm-hmm. today, and they're still huge today. It's massive. They kind of have a corner in the market, and they're holding on to it with sort claws. Of. I mean, because can't Sherilyn, Sherilyn Kenyon? Kenyon. We, uh. We're gonna get into her. I re- that's really why I want to do that. <laughs> I want to talk about Sherilyn. Jen just Kenyon. wants to gossip. I do it a little bit, just like in a nice way. Uh, Christine Warren, I've lo- loved Chris Cresley Cole. Oh, Cresley Cole, oh, yes. My God. She is one and of And she my writes favorites. a lot of other stuff too. She writes a lot. She does she's got an erotica line and she's got a YA line. And she also wrote historical. Yeah, that was the first thing she ever did. She did like a Price of Pleasure. Yeah. yeah it was but so good. This one this one's so much fun because she throws everything together. Yes. And it can get really overwhelming, I will say that. That's probably why I don't read 
much traditional pub because those are usually like 350 pages and there's a lot in those 350 That's pages fair. you kind of you do have to read the whole series to get a full yeah. sense of the world especially in her they're called immortals after dark is the series yeah a lot of things are referenced back and forth they're technically standalone but but it's you have to read the others to understand, yes. Knowing everything, especially in that order. But it's so much fun because she's got Valkyries. And that's when I she's text got, like, Jen and go, what the heck is going on here? <gasps> I'm lost. <laughs> well, if you're lost, let's start at the beginning, Jackie. Okay, where did paranormal come from, Jen? So, unlike other romance subgenres, it wasn't really a thing until the 90s when authors like Christine Fian and Sherilyn Kenyon started combining paranormal elements with love stories. Mm. Usually, you would either write a scary story or a fantasy story, or a romance story, but it wasn't the done thing yet to mm-hmm. fold those things together. And you definitely would not have made those unhuman heroes very sympathetic. Yeah. Because I was thinking about Dracula writing about this. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, vampire and love stories have kind of always gone together. Dracula's sort of an example. The sensuality like of it. Exactly, but he's not sympathetic. No. He does not live at the no. end. No. You know, it, so there's a huge difference, I think, um, just seeing how we take our monsters later and i think we kind of had to get to a a different decade yeah Yeah, different mindset different decade before we could start to look at like vampires and werewolves and frankensteins and demons and be like oh we can make them sympathetic yeah heroes and what cued that change in mindset jen (laughs) (laughs) my theory our theory our theory thank you I think definitely one of the things was first of all they just proved it was profitable people started taking a chance on these books and they went through the roof in sales they kept topping the best-selling lists it's kind of like how 50 shades mm-hmm. of gray happened exactly you it was kind of the one book to change things mm-hmm. the one and then i all. think world events in general just shifted the publishing stage we have talked before especially in uh, the vampire episode i think specifically that 9-11 and the recession is believed to have been an event that really pushed paranormal romances readers suddenly wanted powerful characters that actually had the ability to change the world mm-hmm. And make a difference against evil forces. Uh, whatever the challenges, readers really wanted to see characters that could ever overcome it with supernatural abilities. Because I think most humans felt really useful and powerless in reality. Useless, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, there was nothing humans could have done. No. So, yeah, give me a vampire who can mind control the building, you know? Yeah, and in my mind, it wasn't so much so of readers banging on the doors of Borders yeah. or Barnes & Noble going, We want vampires! Yeah. We want werewolves! I think it was more so that these books already existed. Yeah. And then, like we see with indie pubs nowadays, they started really scooping them up. where like yep. Fifty Shades. And they started mm-hmm. buying more and more until the publishers realized, mm-hmm. hey, supply demand here. I don't think this was in readers' minds at the time. I think afterwards when researchers were sitting down and doing interviews and they were like, okay, well, why did you... They realized the correlation. Yeah, why did you suddenly start reading vampires? And they were like, oh, well, I really wanted this powerful person who could... I wanted somebody to actually go out and change the world. I wanted a supernatural hero. Yes, supernatural. There's a good one for Mm -hmm. it. One of the articles I read specifically said, in a world where not a whole lot is making sense, there's a fantasy of being able to fix all that's wrong with the world through magic and supernatural paranormal that's extremely appealing right now. Mm. I think series like The Dark Hunters from Cheryl and Kenyon, they really opened the floodgates, and paranormal romances were massive in the 2000s into a little bit of the 2010s until, like we said, Fifty Shades shifted the direction of publishing Mm -hmm. again. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, too, it's interesting how different authors kind of created these different, like, pathways. Yeah, yeah So true. how um, – who were you just saying? I'm sorry. Christine Feenhan. Oh, Christine Feenhan, yeah. Christine Feenhan had – 
I don't even really know what she wrote. The Carpathians? Yeah, the Carpathians, mm-hmm. which was more vampires. And then you had Sherilyn Kenyon, who did, like, a lot of shifters, but also kind of, like, Greek both. gods. Well, so the Greek gods were the vamp. They were vampire hunters. Yeah. Hunting, like, the evil vampires. And then you had demons come in. Yeah. You had time travel with Karen Marie Monning mm-hmm. and Outlander, of course, which right. isn't really a paranormal. No. Well, you know. But I think it's just interesting too how all these different kind of avenues opened up and readers would really pick a path they'd be like i don't like vampires but i like shifters or Mm -hmm. i don't like dragons but i like time travel it's interesting because time travel does kind of hinge into paranormal yeah i read a great point that they thought time travel was kind of a good stepping stone into paranormal Mm. because it was a way you could have a really traditional, strong alpha hero. Like historical romance, like everybody loves. Paired with a sassy modern reader. Like in Karen Marie Monning. But instead, you turn that guy into a vampire, so he has to exist until he gets to the point where he can meet the sassy modern reader. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting how the two are kind of parallel. They're kind of, they're still very much paranormal, but they don't always count as paranormal, like yeah. you said, like with Outlander. Yeah, there's also the shift to not just in readers wanting a powerful hero, but also in sexualizing the monster, yeah. I guess. And that says something so interesting about psychology. I just thought of it, so I didn't do any research in it. But I really <laughs> I really wonder why, I don't know, if it's the taboo situation mm. or if it's, you know, I, I really don't know. I think there's two things because there's this one theory that we want to tame the beast. Mm. We've said that before. Beast. We want to, like... Beauty have the, the thing that could love us or that could kill us love us instead yeah, yeah i think also when i was thinking about it there's also a sense of we feel like the other we feel like we're not fitting into society all the mm. time so we can fit ourselves into their like so with werewolves i'm thinking yeah so you have like the outcast mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm saying outcast librarian <laughs> <laughs> but so you have the outcast heroine who gets taken in by a pack of werewolves yeah. and found family trope that's yeah. what it is the found family trope and it's very popular and i love a good found family one thing but i think it's just feeling like you don't belong where you're supposed to so yeah you i think one of the things i was thinking about with one of the books i loved was you don't feel like you necessarily belong where you're supposed to and here's these other people that are outcasts and i love you the way you are rather than you having to change to fit society yeah i think that is maybe something too that was really powerful and maybe it pushed it further yeah but unfortunately People started to get tired of the really massive paranormal series. So we went back to contemporary romance and different versions of Fifty Shades and other erotic novels. Not to mention that teen and YA kind of started taking over the paranormal with vampires Mm -hmm. with Twilight and Vampire Diaries. Yeah, because people got tired. I think it shifted the appeal from adults to teens. and. Yes, there's crossover appeal. Yes, I have watched Vampire Diaries and loved oh, yeah. most of it. Oh, yeah. But it definitely shifts the, the storytelling and the mm-hmm. problems. And it, it, yeah, there is a difference between, like, the adult stories and the teen. And even the romance element. Mm-hmm. It's like a teen isn't going to be as sexy as an adult romance yeah. for obvious reasons. I mean, it can be, like, right. sexual tension, but... But, in a positive note, okay. in one of the academic articles I read oh. for this, which I really loved... There was a backlash to Twilight being anti-feminist, obviously, right? We've talked about that before. So her thing was that ended up making other paranormal authors really determined to make sure their work was feminist Mm. and had great feminist characters and Mm -hmm. themes. So it was kind of a mixed bag. I think in some ways vampires kind of helped to kill paranormal, but then they also gave us better paranormal because the authors were like, well, I don't want to write a Bella Swan and get yelled at. 
so in my head, I just keep saying Karen Marie Monning yeah. in the Fever series. Because <laughs> Mac in the Fever series, who's the heroine, she starts off as like this typical Southern belle, like mm-hmm. very ditzy, blonde, right. just very like stigmatized. Is that the word I'm looking for? Uh, sure. Yeah, you can use sure. You, uh, like, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to like, say. Like stereotyped. People. Stereotyped. There yeah. we go. And then she turns into this badass, leather-wearing, butt-kicking, mm-hmm. machete-wielding machine. The journey of that must have been really fun. Oh, it's so fun. I yeah. just recently reread those, and I cannot mm-hmm. recommend those books enough. Mm-hmm. And they have a spinoff series, too, so that's fun. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I gotta get back into her. I was sad when she stopped reading about, or writing about Highlanders. I know. Her Highlander series. Yeah. So I own that series. That's how good it is. <laughs> but clearly, there's still paranormal romance today yeah. that we're going to talk about. It's just not where it used to be. And the new creatures that are trendy have definitely changed. Mm-hmm. My opinion, it's dragons. Oh, yeah. Dragons I, are yeah. massive. And right now, aliens. I want to say that. I've had aliens in the first draft of this. But again, it's aliens are kind of sci-fi now. They are. They but are. they're such a popular creature. And I get them all. Like, I get so many targeted ads for aliens right now. Yeah, so I will say, as we're recording this, Ruby Dixon is trending. Yeah, we got there first. Get it, queen. Yes. <laughs> I am on TikTok. First. Follow me at Jackie underscore recommends on TikTok. Um, but she is number one on the Amazon bestseller list right now with Ice Planet Barbarians. And so I cannot wait until her other series, like with the dragons, come into focus. Yeah. Because the dragons in her books are so good. Are so good. I love it. Like, they're 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 beasts they kill they cause the apocalypse yeah. and then they turn into these she just does such a good job we love ruby dixon obviously, obviously. but she does a good <laughs> job of creating these really romantic heroes from these terrifying creatures yeah. and i think that and we still have to read the cowboy alien or cowboy dragon one we still haven't read that i know it's on my list <sighs> crossover but cowboy clearly, paranormal <laughs> but clearly like with ruby dixon it's just so much more popular in indie spaces today yeah, yeah. i think mainstream just It'll come back eventually. Gina yeah. Showalter, again, is amazing. She's, she's another one she's I recommend. She's still publishing. She's publishing one in like three weeks. Probably yeah, by the she time just had one come out, out in May and I think mm-hmm. July 15th or yeah. something like that. So it's still happening, but I think it's mostly from established authors. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a lot of newbies necessarily in no. those spaces. I think most newbie authors are doing contemporary things. I think that a lot of the paranormal in traditionally published fiction has gone back to horror because I've seen, especially in 2020, I saw a lot of new horror books come out that were hitting the charts. So like The Chill, which dealt with ghosts in a drowned town in upstate New York, that was a really good book. Um, there's the Southern Book Club's Guide to Oh, hunting, Slaying Aliens. Slaying, slaying Vampires. Slaying Vampires, yeah. <laughs> I'll put the actual title in the show notes, guys, but it's like 80s vampires and book club moms in the south we should offer that as an option for our book club oh we should because they hate vampires (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah but so what makes paranormal appealing jen well i sat down and i really thought of this out jackie okay okay. i really thought about it (laughs) i think one of my favorite aspects on top of everything just the creativity but the world building Mm. and the really detailed characters it's very rare that paranormal is only going to be one book. Oh, yeah, no. So you get these really intense, detailed series that extend every secondary character you meet just about. Mm-hmm. And it's just very fleshed out and fun. And there's always something new to, to learn about the world. And I love yeah. that aspect of just constantly diving back in and revisiting people that I really enjoyed reading about. Yeah. And that's something I love, too, about 
paranormal is the world building because I love fantasy. Like fantasy is one of my favorite things. And the world building in paranormal is so detailed. And like I said before, I can rely really heavily on the mythology. So it can be really interesting too. And then you can like kind of go off on a rabbit hole and find other books and other mm-hmm. authors that deal with the same thing. And it gets so crazy sometimes. Yeah, like do. Ruby Dixon, the apocalypse was caused by dragons. I know. I just love the goes as high as your creativity it does whatever twisted thing the author can come up with yeah it's just so sometimes i read these things and i'm like it's amazing you thought of that and yet still at the same time it feels familiar because Mm -hmm. it is paranormal so it is still set in an earthly setting i kept trying to think of some way to say earthly setting because and like they (laughs) obey earth's rules because a lot of times they don't obey earth's rules like they can fly and spend time and I mean, I hate to tell you this, Jackie, but none of these creatures are real, unfortunately. So yeah, Sasquatch exists, okay? okay? Then they would have found a dead one by now. Hey, not unless they eat their dead. Why would they eat their dead? Nobody eats their because dead. Because they're smart. Only vultures. Vultures don't even eat their own dead. They eat other people's dead. And why did this is smart? This is the cowboy debate of this episode. Ugh. Sasquatch exists. Whatever. <laughs> I just think we would have found one by now. I'm not saying they couldn't exist. I just think... With all the technology, we have a constant camera in our pockets for like the last 10 years. Maybe it's not a bobcat screaming outside my window. I, they've got to be loud. Okay, but have you seen – oh, so you haven't. I have to send you these on TikTok. There's all these videos coming out of rural Appalachia yeah. of, like, the sounds that are being made and, like, recorded and all this sort of stuff, and they are freaky. Okay. I'm, I'm going to send this to you. But it's also Appalachian. Like, what else are they going to do but run out to the middle of the woods and scream? It could just be humans, like, letting off some exactly. steam. Exactly. It could be, but it could be a Wendigo. Okay. It's not going to be a Wendigo. How it's do you know? It's going to be a Wendigo. How do you know? Because it's like a Native American belief that's like a religious thing. It's not just like a thing. It exists. Okay. Well, it yeah. Could. Well, hey, you know what we're not doing right now is suspension of disbelief. I'm uh, well I'm suspending my disbelief. <laughs> I believe in everything almost. All right, so. I'll believe in nothing because I believe it all in paranormal. Obviously, I'm very nitpicky. Yes. <laughs> that has been proven in the last two episodes. Many episodes. Especially a plot in a world that looks familiar to my own. Uh, I'm not going to question things nearly as much in Paranormal. No. Will I question some of the things in my billionaire romances that I love but feel yeah. bad about? Yeah, because sometimes it's just, you're the billionaire is not going to fall in love with the secretary. No. Okay? It's not going to happen. No. He's going to go find some, well, you don't want a billionaire to fall in love with you anyway because they are soulless. But... <laughs> They're not going to happen. But hey, you know what? If there's already lizard shifters hopping around solving crimes, fine. But I'm if here it's for a it. demon billionaire who falls in love with his 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 shape-shifting secretary. Even better. I love that. <laughs> write it, please. I will read it. I am not going to overthink the believability of it. I'm just accepting the rules of the universe cuz we're already here, so we might as well strap in and enjoy it. It's true escapism. Yeah. Once you get there it's just like you know what yeah why not believe this sure. other thing i'm already believing in this lizard shapeshifter who's solving crimes and yeah. he looks like a hot yeah. like, eight pack surfer boy sure why not why not have dragons coming out of the sky please to give it to me give me everything <laughs> fun side story this is actually something that i've really struggled with in my own writing because like the world building as an author is just like how do I make it believable, but then at the same time make it so that it's enjoyable? And then I have this epiphany of you're writing it. It'll be fine. You're world building. You can, they can suspend their disbelief. But then, of course, imposter syndrome kicks in. Yeah. So I'm just saying to all the other authors out there who are writing paranormal. You just can do, do it. it. It's okay. You're great. I'm not going to fight with you about your lizard fighting crime. 
Okay. Just, just detail the scenes and we'll believe it. But if you're going to write about Sasquatch in a contemporary, you better come prepared with some evidence. Because I'm just saying, we should have found a dead body by now. There's we should a have really found... good contemporary. It's not a romance, but it's contemporary Sasquatch. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's on the shelf right but now. It's, it's by Max Brooks. Devolution by Max Brooks. If it's contemporary, then how how is it contemporary? Like, do they find Sasquatch? Yeah. They're, Isn't it paranormal they're going then? out and finding Sasquatch. But, like, they find him. I didn't finish the book, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to say, like, every sighting of sasquatch has been debate like debunked okay but there's been somebody in a that suit there are no cougars in upstate new york but we've seen cougars on the farm so you first you've seen a not like a human cougar like a pa- like a panther <laughs> like a like a mountain lion yes yes well i love this problem because it's clearly not constrained by the mundane <laughs> which is the other reason i love paranormal <laughs> The world and the problems and the characters, they are huge and dramatic Oh, and so intense. dramatic. <laughs> I will say there are lighter paranormal you know, stories. This is probably why you like it, because it's so dramatic. Yeah, I love dramatic. <laughs> You're dramatic. <laughs> but a lot of the paranormal stuff, they deal with life or death yes. problems or things End with of the really world, huge apocalypse. consequences. Yeah, we yeah. got to, one of my favorite, Chrisley Cole, they got to go kill the death-causing cult, you yep. know, that are going to go and destroy the world if we don't yep. go take care of this. So the stories themselves just are really inventive and creative and are huge breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be realistic. There's no limits to their storytelling. And somehow they're still realistic. Yeah, at the same time. It's, yeah. Like, it makes sense in the world. Yeah. As long as you don't contradict yourself in the world, if yeah. you're suddenly like, oh, goblins can't fly, and then the goblins fly. And then flying. suddenly they're flying, and you're like, oh, right, I forgot about that one, Bob. It's one thing if they somehow come up with air packs, and it's like a funny joke, like, <laughs> oh, goblins can't fly, ha, yes. ha, and then there they are yeah. in a fly, like a pack. Yeah. Then it's funny. Yeah. You gotta know where the line is. It's like flying monkeys. I like exploring the other. Mm-hmm. I love looking at these different kind of societies of, oh, hey, what would a group of vampires do? Yeah. What would a group of demons do? You know, I think it's, it's also, really fun. I So I like fantasy and sci-fi. Like, I love reading about aliens on other planets. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun to take that and to apply it to an earthly setting. Yeah. And, and it, like, have fae existing along beside you. And you can yeah. only see them if you eat the flesh of an unseely. Mm-hmm. That's Karen Marie Monning. It's still very good. Yeah. It's just fun to think about. Just like a little magic in your world. Also, if you're a conspiracy theorist, I feel like this is your jam. (laughs) Sasquatch exists. They don't. I don't think they do. I don't know. I want to believe in them. But it's 2021 and there's no good evidence. Maybe it's just a very hairy gentleman. And especially, too, we're, like, in a few we're destroying the wildlife. We are beating back the forest all the time. And nobody has found a sack. Like, where's <gasps> the logging no, companies? No. You know what it is? They are paranormal creatures who have figured out how to jump to a different dimension like a fairy hill. No. They're time travelers. See, this is why you need a paranormal romance because that makes sense in a book. In real life, there's no such thing as time oh, travel. I don't think a pair, like a Sasquatch romance hero would be that good, though, because there's just too much hair everywhere. My next point is that it reflects society's struggles, and I want to <laughs> say that the Sasquatch is reflecting my struggle with Jackie, thinking that they're real. Oh, but so, no, Sasquatch can reflect the um, the tension between, you know, modern society versus, you know, that back to nature, leave exactly. no trace, mm-hmm. that hippie granola person that I am. <laughs> the vampires, you're like, struggle with your mortality. Werewolves deal with rage and loss of control. I was thinking today, ghosts are kind of like uh, dealing with regret. And also you know, outcasts, too. Mm-hmm. They're like, nobody can see them. Yeah. So I think it's still a really smart way of dealing with some of the things we've art- we've always been struggling with and looking at and examining in literature. Well, we just stick them in a, in a bed and have some fun with them. 
there's just a love story component to it but it's still very much the same kind of symbolism yeah with a fun romance plot thrown on top that you know is gonna end well because it's a romance novel as jr ward said who is also one of my very favorite paranormal authors Mm, i think we're just gonna have to have a list of so prolific she says that paranormal romance is a great combination of out of this world and down-to-earth storytelling. You have all this fantastic weirdness balanced by a rock-solid happily ever after for the couple. Fantastic and I think weirdness. that is exactly what it is without all the fluff that yes. we've been saying. Yeah. It's just really fun. It's fun. So that's the end of our conversation, right? We, we got our best time, a half hour. Hey, Jackie. Oh, no. I have a confession. Oh, no. I know <laughs> I told you we were just going to talk about paranormal, but I have had... Um, a, a, mo- a different motivation. Um, oh no! <laughs> I really want to talk about the craziness surrounding Charlotte oh, Kenyon. Oh God! Please, talk about I conspiracy just, listen, theories. Listen, I just didn't think it was fair to have a whole podcast devoted to one drama, but it is a very big drama. It is, and it's I do, huge. I, I do eventually want to have a podcast where we do talk about some of the scandals in Romance Landia. Oh, so but like, uh, maybe when really... we talk about like current state of the romance. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna try to make this as simple as possible it <laughs> is gonna be very hard it is very convoluted and crazy right. everybody sit back get a, get a glass of wine maybe a scotch and let's let's go so i have told you guys before uh-huh. fantasy lover by charlotte kenyon <gasps> was the first romance novel i ever read so that illicit smuggling ring we had in middle school yeah. fantasy lover was the first book exactly we, like smuggled to each other i was trying to work on a sixth grade project i was trying to build like the great wall or something oh, and God. i saw that on my mother's desk and i was like oh i'd rather i want to know what that is and i saw it was about greek mythology yes. and i was like yes I remember begging my mother to drive me to Barnes and Nobles or Borders. Remember Borders? Oh my God, yes. To pick up the Dark Hunter series when they were released, and I would reread them constantly and stay yep. up sunrise. Loving them led to me loving all my other series when I was younger, and they just feel like such a fundamental block in my romance education. Acheron was the first book over 800 pages I ever read. It's a chunk. Kenyon was just such a big deal to me. And to the world, because she really helped prove the paranormal could be profitable to publishing houses. Mm -hmm. She struggled to sell her books at first, but when she did, she constantly topped the bestseller list. This was really a hit. You know, the first two books she sold, she sold them for like $500. Oh, really? It was that little and that, they were like, oh, whatever, we'll give it a try. And like, look at her. She was on top of the world. It was also interesting because her books, the Dark Hunter series started out set in New Orleans. Yeah. And this was right around the time of Katrina, too. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because I remember reading. I forgot about that. I don't know. The character's Years. name was Sunny. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Sunny. I love Sunny. And she was set in a swamp, and it was, like, right after Katrina. And so it was she, very interesting, like, parallel tie-in. She had – I think she had written the books before Katrina yeah, had, before yeah. they published. Because she did an interview about that that I read. But she was such a success story because she had gone from an abusive childhood oh, where yeah. really, like, her parents beat her. Oh, my God, yeah. The health problem. She – one of the reasons she had read – started fantasy lover was because she had felt trapped by these health problems she had and she wanted to write a book about another man who felt trapped and that was julian just being trapped in the book such a good book and she was almost homeless at times and then she turned all of that into being a best-selling author giving keynote addresses at rwa by the Romance way nora writers of america by the way she wore some kind of a swan hat that just really offended nora roberts and i'm like I love Nora Roberts, but you are really on top of the world. If you piss off Nora Roberts by wearing a funny hat, I'm like, okay, good for you. That's great. We're going to have to try to find pictures of this I know, because she was like some massive – it was in the Vulture article I read. We'll put that in the link, but they talked about how she wore some kind of like – 
three-foot black swan hat, and Nora Roberts just thought it was so unprofessional. Hang on, pause for uh, pause for reaction. Swan <laughs> hat. She, if you do look at her up, she does have a very interesting sense of style. Aww. She is definitely the person who will wear wings and like. Oh dresses. my god. <laughs> See, let me see. I didn't look it up. Oh my god, it's like a black swan. Literally. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, it's so big. Oh my Ooh, god. That's what she said. Whatever um, you guys are picturing, you're not picturing it right. Because oh I no, wasn't. Not at all. And then there's this character. So it looks like they're at a costume party yeah. here because there's a bunch of other people in dress. But like, there's this other woman in the back, and her face is just like <laughs> a gape, like dropped. It's kind of funny. She pissed off Nora Roberts with that. <laughs> I can see why she would piss off Nora Roberts with that, but that is just excellent. Honestly, I was picturing like a like a Davy Crockett hat where the the swan yeah. was kind of pulled in on itself, but no, this one is fully in flight. I was on her almost head. like Bjorn, like yeah, dress. that's what I was imagining. No, this is black swan, like full swan, swan sitting on her head. Oh my god, I'll put a link oh, in the show notes. You folks. need to please look at it. Okay. Anyways, carry on. So all of this happy stuff ended eventually. Sales slowed down. It wasn't even her fault. 100% paranormal interest did die down. I will say this as a fan. Her plots did kind of get away from her. Yes. And I feel really bad saying that, but it's the same problem with Vian. I think with some of these really long series, the authors keep trying to top themselves or they try too hard and it loses that original magic. Yeah, I mean, now she's writing about ghost pirates. Yeah. But I don't think that's under the Dark Hunter thing. No, it's not. It's a completely it's, new one. Yeah. But there is some tie into the Dark Hunter, supposedly. But around the same time that all of this is happening, she gets really obsessed with Cassandra Clare, the author of the Shadowhunter series, and she starts believing that Clare plagiarized her work. She ended up filing a lawsuit against her in 2016. I'm going to put in kind of a segue here. She is infamous in fanfiction circles because the Shadowhunter- Cassandra Clare, thank you. Cassandra Clare is infamous in fanfiction circles because- Shadowhunter series was originally Harry Potter fanfiction. I didn't know that. Yeah. In a lot of circles, there's a lot of people who believe Claire actually is a plagiarism. Plagiarism? Plagiar- Why plagiarist. Why do I say that? Thank you. She actually is a plagiarist. Some of it is... Fanfiction's like a weird place. because she She did admit to taking some lines from TV shows and she was like, oh, but it was an inside joke because people would have to find them. Ha ha ha. Yeah. But there are people who have done the work and have shown that she took things from other fanfiction authors mm. and that's a little more murky. And to be fair, all this is very murky because it's yeah. fanfiction. So I can't wait to talk about this when we do Alpha, Omega, and yeah. Werewolf. <laughs> There's a lot there. There is so much there. But fan fiction is like its own realm of it is. what's plagiarized, yeah. what's not, what's original thought, was, what's not. Because I was reading some pro Cassandra Clare articles online and they were like, isn't all fan fiction plagiarized? Like, what are you, what is your problem? What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I think she left some bad feelings behind, behind. She was very, I think she ended up being kind of holier than thou about it. Mm-hmm. She actually got kicked out of fanfiction.net, which was before uh, Archive, by the way. That was like the fan fiction oh site. Goodness. I know forever ago she was kicked out for plagiarism and it's still a debate that kind of happens occasionally okay like i said if you look online people have done the work to compare things and there's a lot of research on there's oh like people got really pissed at her so yeah there's a lot of think pieces online both sides so i'm not going to get into that too much i do want to make the point that it's really hard to get judges to take these kinds of claims seriously yeah (laughs) because what ended up happening was they made the argument well this is all just tropes 
you know with cases like this there's a question of did this person really copy or are they using a really popular concept how mm -hmm. many times have we joked about oh there was only one bed yeah you know you can't get mad when somebody steals the one bed trope no it's not as clear cut as Nora Roberts and Janet Daly, where Janet Daly was lifting lines and passages yeah. out of her books. Yeah. This is not that, unfortunately. So she ended up having to drop the copyright claim, and Kenyon ended up going after Claire for cover designs and branding, and whatever happened, we don't know. It was settled out of court in 2018. Oh, you know, I guess I can see that. Yeah. Thinking about, like, OG I mean, Cassandra like, Dark Hunters, Shadow Hunters. Yeah. yeah, I could see. Like, there's probably some overlap. And some of, like, the, like, woo mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, okay. So, at the same time that this is happening, okay. she's fighting Claire. She, her sales are dropping like crazy. And for some reason, she's getting really sickly. Uh -oh. Okay, she's just not feeling good. She's got a lot of nausea. This her is hair where is falling out. The drama kicks in. Yeah, you thought it was dramatic already. Her her teeth are rotting. Just and she's always had health problems, so she's kind of like okay, but this is feels special. So, her husband of twenty eight years, Ken, ended up filing for divorce in twenty. Wait, Ken Kenyon. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Oh my god. Yeah. So nine months later, she would sue her husband and a former assistant for poisoning her and trying to kill her. That's like a true crime podcast right there. I wonder if any true crime podcasts have done this I'm yet. sure, because honestly, this story is really hard to follow. I have followed her on Facebook forever. You've tried to explain it to I've me tried so to explain this to you three times. It took me two hours to read all these articles <laughs> and try to pin down exactly what happened. So again, if I get something wrong, just yell at me, I guess. I don't know. But from my best understanding, she claims that she had her hair, blood, and nails tested, and she found that there was a large amount of metal that should not be there. Arsenic! Mm-hmm. And, but the reason she did this at all, her husband had gone through the house and stolen a lot of things, like valuables, TVs, computers, technology, and she noticed that before he left, he pulled hair from her hairbrush. Like, her hairbrush had gone from being full to, to being empty, and so she was like, well, why would you take hair? That's really weird. So... But at the same time, it's kind of weird to think that. But He's I get the point. Yeah, oh, clearly. He actually claims that she was doing curses against people, by the way. Uh, I <laughs> so can see that. See I that. can actually see that, mm -hmm. though, you know? But that made her think that is really weird. And after it was tested, it helped her make sense of all the previous health problems. And she said that since he's been gone, she feels so much better. But there is a lot of weirdness surrounding the place she got the samples tested from. Mm. Because, so... The, the article I found most helpful was from Vulture. We can put it in the link below. And they had a lot of scientists come on to be like, okay, this place sounds really sketchy. They didn't fully explain what would happen. They didn't fully explain that there's a lot of reasons why this metal could have been found. She also dyes her hair. It could have been something she ate. Mm, heavy metal, she was yeah. going through, like, menopause. She was already pretty sick. But... So we're not really sure what happened there. It was left there. up in the something, air. Something feels really fishy with that place. And they might have been ethically wrong in how they explained it to her. But regardless, she did file a massive lawsuit against her ex, saying that he had been emotionally abusing her, he had been bullying her, he had been, on one hand, tearing her down, trying to prevent her from having a career, but then also pushing her to have that career when she was making all of this money. She made tons. Like, oh, yeah. It, I don't know how to... So much money, guys. She was so massive. So she was saying that he was now trying to kill her so he could access millions of dollars in book sales and her life insurance policy. I do want to say part of the divorce settlement, he was asking for half of her current assets. He also wanted half of whatever she would make from the book she had written while they were married. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. So no, no. I don't know. 
I don't know. It's it's either way. I ain't saying he a gold digger. <laughs> but he ain't breasting with I've no read, bro. I've bro, read so bro. many true crime things where the husband's trying to kill the wife. The husband did it. But just reading Sherilyn Kenyon for years and following her on Facebook, she also does know how to tell a story. She's also got a bit of a brand of crazy about her. A little bit. I, I say that lovingly. I, yeah, she is a great, awesome, She's great, lady. but you know, she wore a swan hat to Norwalk. She is amazing, okay? <laughs> it's amazing, but it's eccentric. Yeah. So I... <sighs> eccentric. There's a good word. So it's completely ripped her family apart, unfortunately. Two sons have sided with her. Her other son is just kind of like, I wish she would get help. Um, since then, she has been forced to drop the poisoning accusation. She promises she does have real proof, but she is saying that it's taking too much of an emotional and financial toll on her family and the divorce is still pending. Mm. Because I think there's just so much to sort out with the money. And this was like in 2016, right? It was pretty Yeah, recent. so it's still... And again, just following her on Facebook, she is constantly saying that the judge is um, making fun of her and is so cruel and is totally on his side. And it's hard because I think part of it probably is she doesn't have a point but yeah. at the same time did i i don't know what to think and i don't know what to say but i did want to talk about it because it is really really super crazy and i'm like and because we're Kenya. gonna read trail and kenyon next time yes we are gonna read fantasy lover yes. i did want to give you some background on what is happening oh. to the author currently but didn't we learn last time that we should never reread our old favorites i know i'm really scared but i felt like since i made fun of your old favorite i was like i gotta give you the opportunity to do this well same. i love this one too it's another old but favorite that's what i think you know we love it now but when we reread it yeah who knows? I mean, she's a sex therapist. Maybe her sex therapy stuff is way out of date. I know I'm going to laugh because they probably talk about, like, landlines and facts. Yeah, probably. They do. And yeah, they're definitely <laughs> All those 90, no, early 2000s. There's definitely going to have a lot of phone stuff. Yeah. Uh, but Kenyon is still really active on Facebook. There are so much stuff online about it. So please check it out. Let me know what you think if you want to. Handle uh, with care. It is a lot. I will say that. It's a lot. And I don't know what to think. And I am looking forward to the true, the true crime doc. Yeah, there's also, I, like, briefly searched podcasts with Sherilyn Kenyon, and it's all pretty much, like, about her books and her, like, experience, which it should be, because she's such a prolific, she, amazing author. And she's got really intense fans. <clears throat> yeah, she does. She very much Kenyonites, we love ya. Yeah, she started the Dragon Con specifically for her books. I mean, Dragon she... Dragon Yeah. She did the massive conventions. Um, she knows her fans really well. People are, like, they all feel very close to each other. She remembers names. I There were some quotes from fans who were like, yeah, she remembered, like, this random person I asked her to sign a book for. And they were, like, asking how she went. Like, she's very close to people. It's I don't interesting. Know. I'm really sad. I just am sad and I wanted to talk about it. I love how that devolved into, like, a 15-minute conversation. I told you I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't yes, want to make you did. it a whole. You've been panel. wanting to talk about this for a very long time, so I appreciate your strength. And you will get to rant a little more. Maybe something will happen in the next week by the time we record the next episode. <laughs> I'll look it up. I'll next let you guys two know. Episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe after I reread Fantasy Lover, I'm like, oh my god, what? What was wrong with Baby Jen? Like, what, what were we doing? I hope not. I hope not, too. I'm going to be but really But we're also going to reread a witchy book, which mm. I personally am excited yeah, for. Yeah, so I, what I really wanted to do, I wanted to look at where romance had this had come from. Yeah, I wanted to see where paranormal romance had come from. So Fantasy Lover was published, like, 2002, I think. It was early. Super early. And then I wanted to make sure, too, that we saw where paranormal is going today. So we found a great witch book that was published this year in an indie space. I have never heard of this author. I've never read this book. It's got a gorgeous cover. Yeah. It's not as pretty as Ruby Dixon, but nothing is, honestly. Oh, she just released Steph's Outcast yeah. cover today, and oh my god. I know, it looks good. It is great. But All this right. one is called Chaos in the Coven, 
because I want to know where we are today. It's been yeah. so long since I've read a good paranormal. And this and is Indie Pub 2. It's, it's Indie Kindle Pub. Unlimited versus traditionally published Cheryl and Kenyon. And it was 2002 that Fantasy Lover came out. Yep. So. so we're going to see where we are. Let's see how far we've come. And I want you to appreciate that I'm giving you two books instead of three. Thank you. Sorry. Not sorry. So I want to thank you guys for joining us into this quick, <laughs> quick dive into it paranormal. Yeah, we did pretty good. So join us next time to find out if I still love Fantasy Lover. All right, Jen, what do we always say? Great job! Bye, guys.